Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, like I said, today is the feast day of St. Clair of Assisi, the woman who was the uh, counterpart to St. Francis, right, in bringing the medieval church back into, back to life, bringing the, medieval, med, 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 bringing the medieval church back to what Jesus envisioned it to be, his dream for the church. What I think was interesting, I was thinking about this, there always seems to be these masculine and feminine pairings of sanctity throughout church history. The Lord raises these pairings up. I think about Saints Benedict and Scholastica, think about, obviously, Francis and Claire, but think about... Uh, Francis de Sales and Jane de Chantal, think about St. Claude Colombier and Margaret Mary, think about Augustine and Monica. Uh, Even though they're not yet canonized, I think about uh, Mother Angelica and Fulton Sheen kind of coming to the fore, doing the same thing at the same time, where I think about St. John Paul II and his dear lifelong friend, Anna Teresa Temjanechka. I mean, just these masculine-feminine pairings, it's just kind of that's how it always is, right? It's always the male and the female, masculine femininity. Jesus on the cross, Mary at the foot of the cross. So we got today Claire of Assisi, right? Claire met Francis when she was a young teenager. And as a result of being so moved by Francis's preaching, uh, Claire determined that she was never going to marry. Her heart was already so pierced and so given to the Lord that her father, when she was 15, wanted to marry her off, and she had resisted and resisted to the point where, when she was 18, she had escaped from her father's house, ran away at night. It's a good TV drama story right here. Ran away at night, and she runs into a group of Francis's friars walking down the road. They bring her to a small chapel called the Portsiuncula. There's a replica of it at Franciscan University. It's really beautiful. But there in the Portsiuncula, this small little chapel, Claire received this rough woolen... Uh, garment, this robe. She exchanged her fine, beautiful jeweled belt for this cord, this uh, rope with knots in it, poverty, chastity, obedience. And she let Francis cut her hair off and she took on a veil. Here's a question. Why would someone do this? (laughs) Like, why would a woman do this? Why would someone do such a thing? The only plausible answer is that she was so wildly in love That's why. Love pushes us to do extravagant, extraordinary things for the beloved. Think about Mary Magdalene. The week before Jesus' passion, she takes that alabaster jar filled with costly nard, that several years' worth of wages, and she cracks open the jar. She doesn't pop the lid off. She breaks open the jar, and she pours a liter of this perfumed oil over Jesus' head. It was Judas, the one who said, this is so ridiculous. This should have been sold and the money given to the poor. We should have done something practical with it. Now, love pushes us to do prodigal things, wasteful things, right? This is clear. She was so wild and she was so prodigal and she wanted to give everything to him who had given everything to her. She spent the rest of her life contemplating the poor and naked Christ who had nothing but his entire heart to give. So Francis, after receiving her, brings her to a Benedictine convent. And shortly after that, her father and her brothers storm the convent, right? Crazy, imagine that. They storm the convent to try and retrieve his daughter, their sister. And 
you have to picture this. She is clinging onto the altar, right? This is how the story goes. She's clinging onto the altar, and they're trying to pull her away, and she's just screaming, no, this is my home. This is where my beloved is. Again, why this is not a movie yet, I don't know. So, 16 days later, after her father and brothers were like, fine, crazy lady. Just kidding. No, but 16 days later, uh, Claire's sister Agnes shows up and joins her. And then one by one, all these other women began to join her. All through the centuries, women have joined Claire in this movement. We have even our own diocese. We've got the cloistered poor Claire nuns. They're amazing women who... Uh, I picture them like the, they're like the ten faithful uh, in Sodom who like the Lord, like they were the ones who were holding up the world through their prayers. These faithful, faithful cloistered women. So this community of women that joined Claire, they lived lives of intense, austere poverty, complete seclusion from the world in the monastery, the monastery of San Damiano in Assisi. I got to go there back in 2018 and kind of tour the monastery and uh, I mean, it was lovely and temperate, you know, the time of year we were, we were there, but I kept thinking, my God, this would be so cold in the winter. And just, but that's where they were. And they stayed there. They stayed basically in front of the, the Blessed Sacrament, in front of the, the crucifix of, of San Damiano, which is the same crucifix that Jesus spoke from to Francis when he said, Francis, rebuild my church, which you can see is in ruins. So they spent their life contemplating that crucifix. Which, by the way, we now have a beautiful replica of it in our, uh, our school chapel over there for our little saints in the making to, to be inspired by. So here's what my heart has been wondering as I've been thinking about Claire on her feast day. Do we want to burn for him like Claire and like the other great saints of old? Like this is the question, where are the wild lovers of Jesus today? Where are they? You know, the, the image that Jesus gives of the wise and foolish virgins, what distinguishes them is the wise one have oils for oil for their lamps, and their lamps are a flame. It's a symbol of our hearts. We're going to hear in the gospel this Sunday, I, Jesus say, I have come to cast fire upon the earth. How I wish it were already blazing. Where are the burning ones? Where are the wild lovers of Jesus, the reckless ones, the prodigal ones? Who are the ones who are breaking the alabaster jars of their lives and spilling out the contents, wasting their lives on him, giving him everything? Like I know in this parish, and it's so moving, after every single Mass, we hit our knees, pray to St. Michael, and a Hail Mary for vocations. I just want to invite us, let us commit ourselves to intensifying our prayers that Jesus is called to follow him radically, singularly, uniquely would echo even more loudly in the hearts of our young, our young women and our young men for them to discern this alabaster-breaking call to religious life, to discern the life of seminary and priesthood, all of that stuff. I thought of a, uh, I was reminded of a quote from G.K. Chesterton that uh, I think Claire of Assisi would love. Chesterton once said, let your religion be less of a theory and more of a love affair. In other words, be caught up in the visceral love of Jesus, right? Claire was one of the seraphic ones, the burning ones. She was on fire, her heart and her life and her mind, her time, everything. It was consumed for him and by him. 
Where are the wild lovers of Jesus? Are we just calculated and casual? Is our religion more of a theory? He's looking for someone. He's looking for anyone like to console his heart by meeting him in the total gift of self. He's just begging, give me everything. So today with Claire's intercession, let us open our hearts again to the fire of Jesus, to his love, to his mercy, to his goodness that comes to us right in this Mass. Amen.